0: Good morning! Man, it's great to see everyone here this morning. looks like we got a good group, good crowd. Before I get started this morning, I want you to know if you're visiting with us today, we have a sign-up sheet out in our foyer where you can sign up for a class, Central 101. And through this class, it's just a one-day class, we'll also provide food as well. But through this class, As a visitor, um, you can get to know us better, and if you have any questions, you can ask us directly. It'll be taught by myself and one of our elders, Bill Perkins, so we would love for you to sign up for that. We'd love to get that class going again so that um, we can just get to know you and you can get to know us even better. Hey, big boy, that's my grandson, y'all hear him? Come here, I'll, I'll let everybody see you this morning. Hey, what are you doing? Isn't that a good-looking kid? He's got more hair than I do now. Hey, how are you? He knows me. I, I get to see him uh, quite a bit. In fact, we got to babysit this week, and that's one of my joys, is getting to spend some time with him. Also, uh, this morning, I'm, I'm sporting our new Central Shirt, our new central shirt. And if you would like to purchase one of these, you can buy them out in the foyer. Richard and Dottie, they'll hook you up. It's $10. And man, it's super soft. It's a great opportunity for you to wear this out in the community. People will probably ask you questions and It'll give you an opportunity to tell them about our congregation and and even invite them to be a a part of our church family. But it's $10 and all the proceeds go to the Mount Dora Children's Fund and to our youth fund. And so, a great shirt and a great cause if you would like to buy one of these shirts today. All right, well as you guys can see, last week we began a series entitled Bowling Point." And what we're doing in this series is we're talking about anger. And, and man, I, I really don't think there's any more of an important subject that we could be talking about right now. Because here's the deal about anger, and we talked about this last week. Anger is so contagious. One person's anger can trigger another person's anger, and really I think as we look around at our country today, especially over the last two years, it's like anger has gotten out of control, right? You're seeing more and more people who are angry, and and we're going to talk about why. I'm going to just refresh your memory from last week's lesson as we go through this, but You know, maybe even you yourself, you're struggling with anger. And so we're going to talk about today how we can diffuse that. You know, anger is like a smoke detector. And smoke detectors are meant to really make us aware of a problem. Now, as the smoke detector goes off in our kitchen or in our home, it's loud, it's annoying. But there's a point that that smoke detector is alerting us to another problem, a bigger problem that needs our attention. And that's anger, right? Anger, as we said last week, is often called the secondary emotion. It's not usually the first genuine emotion that we deal with. In fact, as I said last week, there are three primary emotions that we will often kind of jump jump over or skip over and we deal with those emotions by becoming angry and that's hurt, frustration and fear. And as I said, it seems like, man, our country, our culture is becoming more and more angry today. But again, think back to, to all the things we've dealt with over the last two years. Think about the hurt. Think about the frustration. Think about the fear. And instead of genuinely dealing with those things, we skip to something more comfortable. Something that's a lot easier. And that's anger. And so we have to ask ourselves, why am I angry? What's this all about? Is it because I'm hurt? Is it because I'm frustrated? Is it because I'm scared? Because that's oftentimes how we express ourselves is through anger. And James says in James chapter 1 verse 19, he says, Human anger does not produce the what church? The righteousness that God desires, right? This is, this is not what God wants for our life. And one of the reasons why is because oftentimes our anger, and this is what we're going to talk about today, oftentimes our anger can segue into hatred. You look around at our, our culture today and, man, there's so much hatred you hear people say, maybe you haven't, but I've heard this over and over again. I've heard people say, I hate him. I hate her. I hate that individual. I hate that, that person. And if we're not careful, we can look at hatred as something that's acceptable and okay. Okay. And I'm not just talking about the culture in which we live in. I'm talking about even ourselves as Christians. I mean, think about this this morning. Think about this. When did hatred become okay? Let me share some passages with you. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. This is what Paul writes to Titus. He says, once we too were what, church? We're foolish and disobedient. We were what? Misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of what? Full of envy and evil and we what? And we hated each other. This is talking about the individual who has not become a follower of Christ. We were foolish. We were misled because we were full of evil and we what? And we hated each other. John says to those of us who are believers in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, he says, If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in what? In darkness. He goes on to say in chapter 4, verse 20, If someone says, I love God, but I hate a fellow believer, that person is a what? Is a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? You know, I think that we as Christians need to be reminded of, of this very basic and very fundamental point, and that's this write this down this morning. Followers of Jesus are to be known for love, as we just sang a few moments ago, not hatred. I hear people say, you know, I just get tired of hearing preachers talk about love. And to be honest with you, I do too. I want to see people live it. You with me? We wouldn't have to preach so much on it if we would see it. Right? Notice what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say 2,000 years ago. He he doesn't say, listen, if if you'll just wear a a t-shirt... If you'll just wear a cross around your neck, people will know that you are my disciple. No, that's not what Jesus said at all. In John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you what, church? If you love one another. If you love. That's how people will know. And it's not just about loving God, and it's not just about loving our neighbor. Man, God, He takes this to a whole new level, doesn't He? He says, I say, love your what? I even want you to love your enemies. And, and really, that brings us to our point today in this series. What do you do when someone hurts you? What do you do when someone is critical, critical? What do you do when someone says things that are ugly to you? Someone who takes advantage of you? What do you do you do when you're hurt? How do you respond to that? Because hurt can segue into anger. And oftentimes when we're angry, we can be tempted to hate and to even seek revenge. And our our culture is all for that. Our our culture says, that's right. Pay them back. Settle the score. Rub it in their face. Make them suffer. It's like I told our small group last week. I said, "This this is the way it works. Hurt people hurt people. Right. That's the typical response in the world. When someone hurts me, I hurt them back. Hurt people hurt other people. But here's what we have to understand. It's a trap. Several years ago, Julie and I, we lived in Florence, Alabama, and we we lived in this old house, and it was full of holes. In fact, mice got all in our house that we were living in, And someone gave us a suggestion, what you need to do is just take Brillo pads, metal Brillo pads, and stick them in the holes. And the the mice can't eat through that, and and it will keep them out. and, And we tried that, and it didn't work. And so finally, I had to go out and buy the old school mouse traps where you put the cheese in the middle of the trap, you bait them. And I hate doing that. But it was to the point, they were really making a mess of things. And sure enough... At night, those mice would get into the house and they would smell that cheese and they would bite into it and they were trapped. And in a similar sense, we can be tempted to bite into the cheese of revenge thinking that if if I can just get revenge, if I can just retaliate, if I can just hurt you as bad as you've hurt me, that will satisfy me, that will make me feel good, that will make me happy. But here's the deal, revenge never never really delivers what it promises. In fact, studies show that revenge can lead to guilt, shame, Embarrassment. The medical community even says that harboring bitterness, unforgiveness, and hatred is both bad for our physical and mental health. I was sharing with our small group last week, this is, this is the way really you can look at it. It's, it's like carrying around a bucket of acid, right? And, and you're planning on dumping that acid out on the person who hurt you but what you don't realize is that acid has eaten a hole in your bucket, and as you're carrying it around, it's just, it's just pouring out on you. It's just hurting you. And that's how revenge works. And so the question this morning is, how can we love in a way that diffuses hate, honors Jesus, and makes a powerful statement to the world about the love of God. And and, and what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at a story from the Old Testament. How many of you have ever heard of King Saul? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Most of you haven't, and and most of you have probably heard this story. King Saul really at one point in his life had everything going for him. He was tall, he was handsome, and he was the first king of Israel. But one day there's this giant that shows up, and he is threatening the people of God. He's threatening Israel. And Saul, being king, what he should have done is he should have rode out himself to take on this, this giant and, and not only defend his people, but defend God, but he didn't. Instead, he stayed in his tent and he cowered. And so there was this young man by the name of David. I'm sure most of you have heard of David. And David decides he's going to take on the giant himself, and he does. And he, he whips Goliath. And after the battle is over, instead of everyone singing the praises of King Saul, they start singing the praises of David. And as you look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 9, the Bible tells us that Saul began to look at David with an eye of envy and jealousy. You see, instead of of dealing with those emotions that he was feeling, he jumped to something else, something easier, something more comfortable, and that was anger and hatred. And eventually, he began to seek revenge on David because David had hurt him from the sense that he was receiving the praise, he was receiving the honor instead of Saul himself. And here's the deal. From that point on, that's all Saul began to live for, was to take out his vengeance on David. He couldn't think about anything else It didn't matter how blessed and and how good things were for him. All he could think of was bringing David down. And so he stripped David of his military rank. He he took away David's wife. He took away David's best friend. And then to top it all off, he hires 3,000 men to hunt David down and kill him. And all David had ever done was serve the king. Well, David runs with 400 loyal other men. And one day, he's near the Dead Sea in a place called En And him and his men are hiding out in a cave from Saul and his men. And, and Saul and his men, they were in that area and they were looking for David. And, and it got to the point where Saul said, you know what, guys, I've I've got to break off for a minute. I need to go to the restroom. This this is real. This This is not me making this up. King Saul had to go to the bathroom. And so he goes into this cave, unaware that David and his men are hiding in there, and as he's doing his business, David and his men see him. And he's literally got his pants down. You know, we love to use that phrase, you're caught with your pants. He's caught with his pants down, right? I mean, he's in, he's in big trouble. He doesn't know they're in there watching. And, and David's men began to say to David, David, now's your chance to get even. Now you can hurt him as bad as he's hurt you. David, now is the opportunity for you to take vengeance. 1 Samuel chapter 24, you can read the story and check me on it. And here's the deal, David refused. Even as badly as he'd been hurt, he refused. And some of you may be thinking this morning, well, how's that possible? I mean, how... How can I overcome the hatred and the bitterness that that I'm feeling towards this person right now? How can I overcome revenge and wanting to hurt this person as bad as they hurt me? Let me share with you for the remainder of our lesson three things that I I hope will help you this morning. First of all, we need to pray. And I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. This one's really, really hard especially when someone has hurt you so deeply, it's really hard to pray. Because everything within us is screaming, you need to strike back. Or, you know what, you need to take what this person's done and you need to box it up and you need to garage it and then at the right time you need to get it out and you need to throw it in their face. Right? That's how we're tempted to think. And yet, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Love does what, church? It keeps no record of wrong. We don't box it up, we forgive. And again, that's hard, and and so we, we pray. And I think we pray two ways. First of all, we pray selfishly. We pray for ourselves. In other words, God, I'm tempted to strike here and what I need You to help me to do is give me the strength to pull back. God, help me to see this person really, truly matters to You. God, help me to see this this situation in a in a way to where I I began to realize, look, this is is an opportunity for me to point this person to you. But God, I need your strength to do this. Please, God, help me. Help me to, to overcome this. Help me to overcome the desires that I have right now to get even. But then also, we need to pray for the individual that hurt us. And I'm not talking about a James and John prayer. Remember James and John in the New Testament? And and when they walked into the town and and people rejected their message about Jesus, they said to Jesus, Jesus, should we just call out to the Father for Him to rain down fire on these people? No, that's not the type of prayer I'm talking about. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 28, He says, Blessed are those who curse you, And pray for those who hurt you. Pray for them. Pray that they will have a a change of heart. Pray that they will see how deeply they've hurt you. But also by praying for others, this is what we come to realize. We can't pray for someone and hate them, right? And so as we pray for someone, it helps us to heal. And so you may may need to pray for your ex-spouse. You may need to pray for a parent that's hurt you. You may need to to pray uh, about someone who is constantly critical of you or, or ripped you off in some way. But we pray. Here's number two. Think about others. We need to think about those around us. Going back to the story of David. David's in this cave, and he has a huge opportunity to take revenge upon King Saul. And he has 400 men who are watching him and his reaction and his response to this opportunity to seek revenge. And I'm here to tell you this morning how you respond will more than likely be seen by others because people are watching you. You may say, now, Slade, I don't have anybody watching me. You probably have more than you think. Your kids watch you, your neighbors watch you, you have coworkers who watch you. Maybe it's a brother and sister in Christ. And I really believe we will never fully understand the influence of our lives upon those people as they watch how we respond to others who have hurt us. Do we act like the rest of the world or do we respond like Jesus? Jesus. Here's David. He has an opportunity to get revenge. There's 400 men watching him, even encouraging him to do it, and he refuses to seek revenge. Jesus one time said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 39, He says, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He says, But I tell you, do not Resist an evil person. If someone strikes you, your translation may say slaps you on the right cheek. Do what, church? Turn to him the other also. Now, here's what Jesus is trying to get across to you and me. Don't seek revenge. Listen, even in the Old Testament where it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it was not about revenge. It was just to prevent higher penalties of punishment. For example, if I accidentally killed one of your animals, it prevented you from saying, you know what, because you killed one of my animals, I'm going to go over here and kill one of your kids. No, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, no more. But at the same time, Jesus is not saying not to defend yourself. If someone attacks you and is trying to to harm you physically, Jesus is not saying, look, don't don't fend them off. No, look at what He says here in the text. If someone strikes you or slaps you, it's not life-threatening during this day and time to be slapped was an insult. And so what Jesus is saying is when someone insults you, He says, absorb the insult. Turn the other cheek. I think about Jesus and all that he went through from being falsely accused, mocked, crucified, severely beaten. I mean, you think about how badly Jesus was hurt. And yet here was his prayer on the cross, Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He says, Father, he says, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And then he says it's finished and he breathes his last. And you remember what happened? There was a Roman, a pagan guard who was watching all of this. And he said, surely this was the Son of God. And what I'm saying to you is people are watching us and our response can impact them in a huge way, in a, in a way that we can't even begin to understand. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 20, he says, if your enemy is hungry, he says, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Doing this will be like pouring burning coals on his head. And man, I remember reading that verse when I was younger and thinking, that sounds awesome. Killing them with kindness. Doing good to that person who's hurt me so that, man, I can just really burn them up on the inside. No, that's not what Paul's saying at all. During that day and time, and this is the the biblical picture here, during that day and time, a fire was very important. Fire was used for a lot of things, especially cooking. And so if your fire went out, you were in big trouble. And so during that day and time, what would happen is if you noticed your your neighbor's fire had gone out, what you would do is you would take some of the hot coals from your fire, you would put it in a pot, put it on your head, take it to their fire, and get their fire started again. And so what Paul is really saying to you and me is when we absorb the slap, When we take the insult, what we're doing is we're helping someone start a fire. We're helping someone start a fire with Jesus Christ or or start a fire of repentance or or start a fire of life change. In In other words, it's the idea of killing our enemies by making them our friends and loving them like Jesus loved. One last thing, and I know we're out of time. We just need to leave it with God. We need to remember that God's our lawyer, and you say, well, Slate, what do you mean? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 31. Remember what God says? I'll be your lawyer to plead your case, and I will what? I will avenge you. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, verse 19, he says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will watch church? I will repay, says the Lord. And, in other words, God says, look, I'll settle it. I'll deal with it. And, and here's what we have to understand, is God always settles accounts better than we could ever imagine. Right? There's a great biblical example of this in the book of Genesis, a story about a guy by the name of Joseph. Remember, his brothers became jealous and envious of him because, well, his father openly admitted that he loved Joseph better than he did the rest of his boys. And, and well, the way they dealt with that was they jumped to anger at Joseph and they began to hate him and it got to the point to where they threw him in a pit and they sold him into slavery in Egypt. And Joseph became a forgotten man. But not by God, right? In fact, God took him out of slavery and even imprisonment and He elevated him to the second in command over all Egypt. Egypt. And to make a long story short, remember, a famine strikes the land, but not in Egypt because God had put Joseph in place to store up food for seven good years and so that when the bad years struck, there was plenty of food in Egypt. In fact, there was plenty of food for everyone to come from wherever they were at to buy food. Well, guess who shows up needing food? Joseph's brothers. And they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. And he had an opportunity to absolutely crush his brothers. But I want you to look at how he responds. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives He forgave his brothers. He left it in God's hands, seeing the bigger picture, that you know what, God is is doing something here. God is is working through all of this to bring about good. But you think about his brothers, man, they were terrified. They were scared to death for many years that Joseph was still going to kill them even after their father died. God always settles his accounts better than we ever could. And so all Joseph had to do was let it go and forgive. And Paul tells us the same thing today, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32. And I leave this with you today. Guide or, or get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God... And this is what we have to remember when we start to get angry at someone who's hurt us. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. God has forgiven you of the hurt that you caused Him. And so... We, in turn, should forgive others who have hurt us, right? And I'm not saying this is easy. As I said, man, we have to call out to God and we we need to pray about it. And and if you want us to pray about something this morning as we extend the invitation, we would love to pray with you. If, If some of you who are watching live online, if there's something we can pray about, For you, just put it in the comments. We'll make sure that we pray for you as well. Or there may be someone here today that wants to give their life to Jesus. Because it doesn't matter what you've done, through the blood of Jesus, and that's what we celebrated this morning through the Lord's Supper, through the blood of Jesus, you and I, we can be forgiven of anything and everything we have ever done. And so it may be this morning that you need to come forward Believing that Jesus is the Son of God and put on Christ in baptism, Galatians 3.27, having all your sins completely washed away. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Whatever the case may be, if you need to respond today, once you come? Together we stand and sing.